0: My guests today are from a band that has been together for over 20 years. They have a new album out called Ode to Echo, which was released earlier this year. I'm talking about Glass Hammer. I'd like to welcome Steve Babb and Fred Schendel. So, hey, nice to meet you guys. Yeah, you too. You too. Well, this is cool. You know what? In all the interviews uh, that I've done, I have never had uh, two people on the uh, on the call. So this is a first. It almost identical. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, we do sound very close.
0: So tell me who's who so I can try and make it out.
1: This is Steve Babb.
0: Yeah, this is Fred. Okay. Fred, you sound farther away. That might be, <laughs> that might do the trick. I'll, I'll be
1: talking louder because I'm over here. All
0: right. <laughs> Great. So uh, listen, thanks for uh, give me some time. When I first heard of the band, uh, musically, not knowing too much about your background and knowing where a lot of these other prog bands come from, uh, you think immediately that you're British. Do you guys get that a lot?
1: Maybe we lean toward British Prague as a starting place. I I think our influences are decidedly European. Right. Uh, I mean I I don't know because since we kind of came about with the birth of the internet, I think information has always been kind of readily available. And I think I think people kind of mostly realize that we're an American band, but if you didn't know out of the blue musically speaking Yeah, probably people might tend to think we're a British or European band, which is good with
0: us. (laughs) Right. Being from uh, Tennessee, how is it sort of being right in the middle of country music land and doing the kind of music you do? Is that challenging or just sort of a weird coincidence?
1: Well, it's worked out really good for us because we run a full-time recording studio. Oh, there you go. You know, there's just a lot of music and a lot of players, and that's how we've met. You know, on some occasions met many of the people we work with in Glass Hammer as we're studio musicians. So, you know, I don't, we don't look at it as a bad thing at all. We do bluegrass projects and pop projects. And and through the years, there, we even did a few other progressive rock bands. But mostly, that's just Glass Hammer. Right. That is a, that's a fairly diverse music scene. Obviously, it's most famous for country, but you know, there's a lot of rock and roll up there, and there's a lot of other things going on. And we're actually located halfway between Nashville and Atlanta,
0: so okay,
1: it, it, it's not all about country music, even though.
0: No, actually, I have a, a few different musicians I've known over the years who were in rock bands and sort of to further their careers went to Nashville and and play in various sort of that kind of crossover rock country style music. You know, yeah, um, yeah. that's almost the new rock music, really. So. Yeah, people
1: like Adrian Blue have wound up living there, and there's a lot of.
0: Interesting people. Yeah, uh,
1: Neil Morris is there. That's right. Our, our uh, current uh, live frontman, Carl Groves, and his project Salem Hill is based out of Nashville. Uh, and so there's all kinds of stuff going on around here.
0: So now you guys have uh, some 14 odd albums. Is that the right number, or have you have you lost track? I would say they're odd,
1: <laughs> and uh, probably 14. That's yeah. about right. <laughs> yeah.
0: So fact, so a live album. Right, not counting the live albums of course. So, uh take me back to starting the band and how did you guys get together and uh, and kind of take it off from there? We were kind of
1: two keyboardists who had just come from chasing record deals in the 80s and early 90s and and kind of started from a well what the heck are we going to do with ourselves that would, you know, actually make us happy. And uh, so we began to play with the idea of a keyboard based, uh, maybe leaning towards progressive rock. We were a little shy about it at first. It took one album before we were convinced we should really just throw everything at it and, and be what we wanted to be. That's a long time ago, though. Yeah, I think in the beginning we did have some kind of illusion about some commercial form of yeah. froggy rock, which luckily we had. Kind of Got over in the first couple of years. Yeah. we Once we found our audience and, and, and realized, uh, you know, the progressive re- rock revival, it was going to be nothing like it had uh, started in the 70s. And we were fine with that, actually.
0: Have you sort of uh, been able to sense the, the resurgence of, of Prague over the last? Maybe five to ten years, because it seems like there's more bands, there's more outlets, there's more festivals. Uh, has that kind of affected uh, you know your music and, and careers?
1: Well, our generation, the generation just above us, and I'm talking in age, um, and you know certainly we're all still here and alive. And I think the word has spread through the years that there's new prog being made. A lot of you know bands of classic. Or fans of, of the classic bands from the 70s weren't aware that there was a whole, you know, progressive rock third wave yeah. from the 90s. Uh, so that's happened. Yeah, I think it's getting, it's starting to grow. And then there's younger bands now too. Yeah, I think there's one segment of the, uh, the, the old guard fan base that have reached an age where it's less. Unfashionable amounts, just go ahead and admit that you like it. It's kind of come around to where, uh, the people that, that liked it back in the, the 70s aren't going to worry about whether it's hip or unhip. And, um, because of that, it actually is developing a certain, uh, coolness, I think, again, as being a bit of an underground thing again. And kids that like musicianship and, and, uh, don't want to be put down because they can play, I think, are discovering it. So there's a,
0: Yep. a generational
1: thing. Happening. We're we're meeting fifteen-year-old and seventeen-year-old fans now. So. That's so, yeah.
0: amazing. I mean, I'm sure the like you said, the internet has had a lot to do with it, because you can you can find you know from one band, uh, you can find another to, two or three just on Facebook or on YouTube or whatever, and you start to branch out and, and bands that you didn't know existed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's an amazing thing. Uh, so the,
1: most, of, most of the young bands still have a certain uh, young aggression that you have at that age, and they're kind of channeling it into it. So that's either prog metal or certainly a slightly more aggressive form of prog, which is cool. It's kind of what you do when you're on you know,
0: and 19. So. <laughs> right, right, exactly. So tell me about the new album, Oteco came out earlier this year in March. Uh, really great, uh, really great album. Uh, has a few different styles on it songs like miss and Drug and and um, that bring maybe a little bit of gentle giant kind of influence it sounds like uh, you know what can you tell me about the album and and how's it been doing?
1: Uh, well, as to how it's done it's it's been really 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 positive for us uh, if was kind of a turning point album for us that was really popular really really fast uh, and then we kind of settled in with Corp For and Perilous and suddenly we do Ode to Echo and we do it just a little differently with a few different vocalists and a few different ideas and it's sort of started over again. So it's, you know, I can't complain. And to me, it's a little bit more of a blending of Middle Period of Last Hammer with kind of that last trilogy of albums and, and where we were at with those. I think we've actually reached back a little bit into more what we were doing in the 2000s, and so we kind of mixed that back in with, with uh, those last three albums. And no, we've always had a bit of a, a uh, I mean, I've always liked fusion music. We've just never really explored that with this band. It was uh, Alan coming board and he's a big jazz guy, so that kind of gave me a bit more of an excuse to pull out the tender Roads." and, in that direction.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of that on this record, which is some really killer stuff. Um, Was the sort of going back to the earlier sound a bit, was that influenced by using some of the original singers, or was it written first and then you got the singers to to come in?
1: No, we knew that we were going to go that direction, singer-wise, and I think it evolved kind of organically. It wasn't conscious, but we knew that when we were writing things that we were going to have different voices we could split it up for. And, uh, I mean, it's, well, yeah, it's always been easy for Glasshammer to add too many vocals, <laughs> uh, and to the point where we've had full blown choirs singing with us. And, uh, so we've gone from that one singer, uh, and a couple of backup singer sound that we did for three albums, and we've gone back to what we were pretty good at to begin with, which is, uh, trying to use a lot of different people. And I think it works. I mean our fans seem to have jumped on it. They really liked it. They they have a certain it's it's really strange with a glass hammer. Once we settle into a pattern, they I think they actually become afraid that we're not gonna change. So when we shifted just a little bit and went back a little bit, they got pretty excited about it. So it's been good.
0: That must be uh, I just feel give you guys a feeling of a lot of freedom to experiment more.
1: Well the thing that's gone against us for many years is not having that one definable voice, but that's also the thing that kept it really interesting because right. don't have that, you know, we're not stuck. Uh, we've got a lot of really incredibly talented singers who appreciate each other, and they're willing to work together, and that probably doesn't happen often. So we're very fortunate.
0: So John uh, Davison, who is now singing with Yes, was a singer on the previous albums, the, the most more recent ones, uh, he still was on this album. Is he still part of the group moving forward on future albums, or hasn't, you haven't thought about that yet moving forward?
1: Well, yeah, I think he is. Uh, we talked via email a couple of times this week, and it's his, it's his intention to stay in the band. I don't see really any way he can perform live with us uh, because they're busy touring, and uh, you know, that's his job. Right. So uh, he's got to do that. Just like we've got other singers that have, you know, families and own businesses. We've got to kind of, you know, do things around everybody's schedule. But it's always going to be tough for him. So he'll probably remain part of, of the studio family, uh, and record with us. And we we hope he gets a chance to do that again. But he, there's been no talk of him leaving the fold.
0: Yeah, we right. certainly haven't shut a door. That's perfect. Yeah, yeah great. Because his voice is awesome and um, yeah. It sounds- he's- Sounds great with you guys.
1: We 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 take the claim for uh, discovering him. Uh,
0: yeah, absolutely.
1: <laughs> really good.
0: Um tell me about your songwriting uh process. Is it just the two of you that write most everything or um does it start there and, and kind of branch out? How do things get initiated?
1: Historically it has been, but uh Cameron. We we still call him Alan. I think he's like Cameron now, so like, Cameron uh, Alan Sheikah. Yeah, Cameron uh, Allen <laughs> We call it Cameron Allen. That's kind of a reality, that's what we're supposed to do now. But uh, he, he's a good writer and he started to uh, bring more things in and, and we like what he writes. So it's it's involving more to the three of us. But for a long time it has generally been a process of we sit down and kind of hash out our ideas on our own and then bring them in and kind of present them to everybody and they might sort of stand alone as Individually written songs and then like get edited and put together with other people's things. Uh, it just all depends. It, it does eventually go through a group arrangement process. Yeah, and we find that with singers, when we can and when they can, songs then seem to work best when they've written the melody for themselves, and and then we we go a little further and let them write the lyrics. And John has contributed quite a bit in that area, on especially on If, and then uh, Carl Groves. On uh, Missing Trog and uh, a couple other songs on uh, Ode to Echo, he uh, played a big part in what he would do. And it's it's better for them, I think, if we let them take part of the process. But at the end of the day, Fred and I still have to look at each other and say, yeah, this is what we were, this is what we're after. And uh, with this band we've got right now, it always seems to be. They're, They're doing great for us.
0: Is the music always first with you guys and then the lyrics? Not
1: always, although it does seem a predominant amount of the time. We kind of always say that we want to write songs the other way around and, and, or try writing lyrics first, and it works out well, we do, but I tend to sit down and always start with playing and then add lyrics to it. Yeah, yeah me too. Uh, one exception on this album was Crowbone, which was written by uh, an author, named Robert Lowe from Scotland. And he sort of, it sort of jump-started the whole album. I handed his poetry to Fred, who composed Crowbone and built it around his lyrics. That that would be the one exception. Yeah, that worked out well. Yeah. Actually, that was a, an interesting case two ways, because we not only were the lyrics already written by an outside person, but we pretty much knew that John was going to sing that song. So I tried to write it in a style that I kind of felt like a singer Guitar player would write it. So it's actually trying to sort of channel a different style. So I wrote it on a guitar instead of on a keyboard. Changed the whole thing.
0: Well, that's that's a different way to work. That's interesting. Uh, lyrically, you guys, I, at least I've read, and I don't know if it's true, but that uh, you draw from different themes of uh, stories like from Token and different things like that. Uh, is that where you draw a lot of the lyrical content from, or does it it can come from anywhere?
1: If, it, it just depends. If I'm steering it, and this, Steve, if I'm steering it, it tends to be things that that Tolkien or let's go back in time a little further, the things that Tolkien read, it seems to be more inspired by those kind of themes and, and by uh, Victorian prose and poetry. I'm a big fan of nineteenth century uh, literature and poetry. So that's 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 what I do. Yeah, I don't do that at all. I just <laughs> And, and it worked out fine for us, but now I I think early on we did have a kind of a Tolkien slant. To this, the first album, that's where we started. Right. It's certainly not been something that's consumed us. And we've tried to write more postmodern, I think, and and not write so much of a cliché uh, sword and sorcery kind of lyrics. I don't think we really do
0: that. No, I haven't gotten, I don't get that impression much from, from the music, at least, that, that I've, heard um so yeah i think it i think you guys do a, a great job of blending blending those ideas when when you go into the recording studio i guess is it do you record it all in your own studio i would assume yeah uh, yeah do you, and, and so th- let's say uh, this recent album to from the start to finish how long did it take to record and do you just fly singers in and they, they come in and record their parts how does that work
1: well in the case of of uh, John and Susie, well, actually Carl too. Carl has a studio of his own, so um, we'll let's backtrack and say that the singers, in this case, did most of their work at uh, home or in their or in a studio where they're from. Susie's from Florida, so we put her in a studio and did a basically a Skype session, um, and and made sure we were looking over the engineer's shoulder while she did it. Uh, uh-huh. Carl. Uh, we trust to do his own work, and John has done his own work on not only If, but also Parallel. uh the Middle John album, he came out here and spent a couple of weeks with us and, and did it. Otherwise, musically, it's all being done right here. Yeah, generally speaking. There, there have been occasions where drum sessions have occurred elsewhere, but this last album was done here. We prefer our vocalists to be here. Uh, but if it doesn't work it doesn't out, not always we don't, work out, right? Yeah, we we don't stop, you know, just to wait. We we put them in a studio.
0: So uh, as far as touring goes, uh, you guys do have a few dates here and there. I know you recently did the cruise. Uh, was it the cruise to the edge?
1: Well, we um, did. Uh, we did cruise to the edge uh, in 2013, uh, and then we did the Moody Blues. Cruise. The Moody Blues one just got back about four weeks ago, and now we're heading to Quebec City to headline the Saturday night portion of the Terra Incognita Festival. So we're looking forward to that. Iz will be there with us and a lot of other great bands. So that's, And that's it for now. There's probably going to be some more shows either later in the summer or fall.
0: So how, how much of a challenge is it for you guys to get uh, a touring band together? Is it the same guys mostly? Um, yeah,
1: it's it, it, it got a lot better. We, it was tough those last couple of years with everybody living out of town. We had so many people spread right. across so many parts of the country it was difficult. Now the whole band lives here except for uh, Carl we've only a couple of a couple hours up the road and, and Susie we still have to fly in but um, if we've or to do any kind of five-man you know, band shows with just five guys guys—it's it's much leaner with unit than it has been. Yeah, our the new drummer, uh, Aaron Ralston, who's just incredible, uh, lives here in town with us, and that's in our 20-plus year history. That's the first time that we've had a drummer that lived here yeah, that's uh, and a, could rehearse. That's been the <laughs> toughest part, not having a drummer in town. So he joined us about a year and a half ago, and uh, we are very happy now. We're, we're going to rehearse here in about an hour and a half. Uh, that used to be a lot harder for us.
0: Yeah, I can imagine. Uh, you know what? Last thing I wanted to ask you guys, because I follow you guys on Twitter and I check out your Facebook page and all that stuff. You guys seem to be pretty active on social media. So how, how important is that for you guys these days? And have you seen any value in it really? Um, has it helped you really stay in, connected with your fan base?
1: Yeah, it's very important. Uh, For instance, our original Glass Hammer Forum, I mean, the forum has really kind of died uh, for most bands, I think. There's a few progressive rock forums we'll still subscribe to, but just going to a band's website now, it seems to be kind of old hat. So Facebook is very, very important. And then integrating Facebook into your website and, and Twitter, it's very important. So we've got 16,000 plus fans on Facebook now. I think only 500 of them appear to be from Turkey and Saudi Arabia. <laughs> Every everything else looks pretty legit, and that that exploded for us uh, right about the time of Cruise to the Edge. We we jumped from 2,000 to uh, you know 12,000 almost within a couple of months. So and that's just from Things being posted on the internet, people found it.
0: Yeah, that's pretty amazing, and I see uh, I see that helping a lot of bands. I think it's helping the the, the prog movement, if that's a word, uh, yeah. to use. Um, and, and we
1: engage our fans too. We 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 will talk to you, and you know, we don't you know act like rock stars. I don't think. We <laughs> try to be pretty personable, and if somebody emails us, we answer them.
0: Well, that's great, man. I, I congratulate you on your success uh, and the new album, which is great. Everybody should go pick it up. Ode to Echo is out now on iTunes and your website. Thank and you. Uh, good luck on the next uh, upcoming shows and everything, and, and keep us posted on anything new. We'll, we'll definitely keep our eyes open.
1: Great. Anyway. Thank you very much.
0: Thank you, man. All right, guys. Take it easy. All right. Bye. bye. Thanks to Steve and Fred for the interview. We're going to close with a track off Ode to Echo, the song The Gray Hills. For more information and upcoming interviews, please check theprogreport.com. Thanks.
2: Their dreams were drowned The tears of children Who in sorrow found. The world was broken And by one betrayed Their baby dreams